how's it going, everybody? You're listening to another episode of the Supermarcado Brothers Video Game Music Podcast. Thanks for joining us. This is the podcast where we share and discuss the very best in video game music. My name is Carl Brueggemann. And I'm his brother, Will Brueggemann. Today is going to be a really fun episode, I think. We have a console spotlight, and <laughs> it's interesting. <laughs> There's like a part of me that feels like surprised that we haven't done an episode on this topic before. Um, yet at the same time, uh, it makes sense that we haven't touched on the Virtual Boy because it's considered to be probably Nintendo's greatest failure historically. Um, it was a console that was widely regarded as being very unsuccessful for a multitude of issues, and it had an incredibly short lifespan. Um, and because of that, there were only ever, I, I think it's around like 15 to 20 games that yeah, were I think ever 22, produced for it. 22 games total that were actually released. Uh, 19 of them were released in the Japanese market, 14 in North America. So it's it's kind of unfortunate, um, depending on how you look at it, that uh, many of these games are relatively unfamiliar to the average gamer. Mm -hmm. And uh, one of the reasons why we wanted to do this episode is because there actually are some Virtual Boy games that were in development that had completed soundtracks that were that canceled. Never There's saw the light of, of day. A lot of Virtual Boy games that were canceled or shelved, which is which is very sad. But but also very understandable. And I will say that historically, the Virtual Boy, despite being a pretty clear failure, um, it was it was responsible for where Nintendo were, were to be headed in the future, such as the 3DS. It was responsible for a lot of things. I mean, it saw the first Mario Tennis game, their experimentation with 3D and some other series. Uh, well, and was, also was I think important. people's uh, there was a period of time where there was a little bit of obsession about virtual reality, and I think just at the time the technology just wasn't there to make that a viable. Yeah, it would option. have been and now, way of too course, expensive. VR is kind of like the huge buzzword in the game industry, and there's so many different from PlayStation VR to the Oculus. There's so many different um, games being developed for. We're kind of right in the midst of all that now. Now yeah. you have to mention that the Virtual Boy isn't actually virtual reality it's essentially well that was one of, of the reasons it failed is because yeah, it was like false red advertising. goggles that are it's 3d you know game boy games in mm -hmm. red and black as opposed to green and black um but yeah. i mean i think at the time there, there's some definite potential with the technology um what i find interesting if you've ever looked at the controller it's a very interesting design it, it's shaped like an m and it has two d pads kind of like yeah. now we think of you know um the, any game controller needs two analog sticks but this is sort of pre-analog sticks so there's two directional pads it, it's interestingly symmetrical which i i've always wanted to sort of I don't know, get my hands on that controller just because I thought yeah, it, it was it seems interesting. A very, very interesting point in history for Nintendo. Uh, it proved that even Nintendo could make a misstep. Uh, I think they were kind of rushed, actually, to start working on the 64, and so one of the many reasons why this failed was because I think it was a little bit rushed. But in any case, yeah, there, there's some good music for the Virtual Boy. Now, out of those games that were released or even canceled, we're not playing all of them, even though there's already a small amount of games, because some of them are just clunkers, to be honest. Uh, right. We have a very small number of games we're featuring today with a heavy focus on Bound High, which was that wonderful soundtrack Will brought in on a recent show and tell. That was actually one of the games that was shelved, sadly. We'll talk more about it uh, later on in the episode. But uh, the sound chip that the Virtual Boy used was actually pretty unique. 
It was called the VSU, the Virtual Sound Unit, and it was actually quite similar to the Turbo Graphics because it, it had sounds five, like a great band name, Virtual yeah, Sound Unit. It, it had like five channels band. of wave, so wavetable synth, and then one noise channel. So what you guys heard playing in was music B from V Tetris, uh, composed by Takashi Kumegawa. Let's play a track from Jack Bros, which is a great soundtrack, one of my favorites for the system. This is character selection, composed by Hiroyuki Yanada. <laughs> Well, that is short and sweet, but really, really well composed. That is character selection from Jack Bros, Jack Brothers. We're going to play a couple more tracks from this um, because it's a great soundtrack composed by Hiroyuki Yanada. Uh, surprisingly, actually, kind of a spin-off in the um, Shin Megami Tensei series, um, which was not something I knew before diving into this. But yeah, it's an action game, uh, considered a good game, and I would say one of the better soundtracks for the Virtual Boy. Yeah, I would agree. I've always been curious to check out Jack Brothers. Uh, I've never gotten to play it, of course, because I've never played a Virtual Boy in real life. I've played <laughs> some of the games on emulators and yeah. stuff, um, but I, if you're not experiencing it in person with that vivid graphics, futuristic Well, not just the gameplay. graphics, but one thing is that it <laughs> actually had the, the built-in speakers, too. And so one thing I'll right. say is that I don't think the audio was a reason for the Virtual Boy failing. I think the audio worked pretty well. I mean, especially mm -hmm. if, if you're if you're judging it on Game Boy standards. It sounds a little more advanced. There's more channels, and the fact that those speakers are going to be really close to you, I mean, I think you're going to hear the music well. Um, I think the music uh, was not one of the reasons why this failed. Yeah, I, I'd say um, what's interesting about the Virtual Boy, and we've talked about this before, it's really important to discuss the console specs when talking about early video game music. Not because you know it's super important all these technical details but these are the tools that composers had to work with and they definitely mm -hmm. affected not only the way the music sounds but the way that composers approached writing the music for instance when we look at you know music from the nes there's a very clear often delineation between the three pitch channels in um that it's inextricable from the nature of the composition right and if you're looking at the sega genesis versus the super nintendo or the game boy versus the virtual boy um, the, there's sort of a difference and one, one thing about this piece of music there's a, a couple chords in here that are a little bit richer, a little bit more dense in terms of just how many pitches are playing at one time than you could have done on something like the Game well, Boy and that's without the aid of like an arpeggiator. And that's something we're really going to hear in the title we're going to play next. Um, I, I have a feeling that the additional channels really inspired the, the tone for the music in this game. Uh, and so this happens to be my very favorite soundtrack for the Virtual Boy. And I was just blown away by listening to all of this. This is called Galactic Pinball, and it was composed by Kenji Yamamoto. 
right after he finished working on Super Metroid, in classic Nintendo fashion, what would he move on to next? Galactic Pinball. <laughs> well, hey, it's galactic at least. At least it's galactic, and it actually does remind me of the Metroid series at certain times. He worked alongside Masaru Tajima on this game, and we're going to play a few of the tracks. I think we're going to play, let's see, one, two, three... We're going to play four Galactic Pinball tracks today because it's really good. Let's start things off with a really cool piece of music called Lucky Star. Galactic Pinball is just too good. Oh my god. If any score needs a remake, um, Galactic Pinball, the music is so imaginative. This is Lucky Star, composed by Kenji Yamamoto, who is also assisted by Masaru Tajima. Yeah, this is so cool. Um, it seems to me like the Virtual Boy still only had the hard panning going on, um, where everything is either in the middle left only or right only at least what i'm hearing but uh it's cool because since there are more channels what some of these composers do is they use some of the channels just for delay which allows for a very massive and vast and sometimes very imaginative sound what i find interesting about this is even though there's um you know the wavetable synthesis which can produce some really interesting timbres mm-hmm. a lot of composers would choose to use them in sort of default to the basic you know square or triangle waves that they were maybe familiar with on like yeah. the game boy and i think it actually uh if you compare the sound of the Virtual Boy to even something like the Game Boy Advance, there's really a sense of unity between all the instruments yeah, because it's since true. it's all produced through that wavetable, there's not the sort of disparity between the really compressed samples and like a PSG sound. It's all sort of this well, one... It's also not the dynamic disparity. I mean, it was really hard to get the, the quote, mixing right on the GBA because the volume of the samples sometimes might have been different than the PSG. And so this, yeah, I mean, it, it all blends together. It's just actually a really nice, I, I wanna, guess, production, I would say. I want to talk about this composition, too, because I think uh, there are definitely earmarks of Yamamoto's style from Super Metroid in this, one of yeah. which would be the use of this sort of um, really active and nimble are uh, ostinato in an odd meter, you know. Yeah. Well, also those arpeggios are just very atmospheric to me. Right. Yeah. In the it's arpeggios, the, the colors are, are just gorgeous. It, it's very evocative. It's kind very of fusion like impressionistic. And there's some really sophisticated and rich chords here. There's one of my all time favorite chords, which is an augmented triad with a major seven. 
Uh, mm. It's the sort of chord that ends like any kind of spy movie. Like if you picture the end of ba da ba ba, bring yeah, that sound is like it's an augmented major sound. seven. But in certain contexts, it has a very almost like sophisticated twentieth century concert music. It makes me think of like Debussy and Ravel and stuff. Yeah. It's very um, oh, it's just tasty stuff. Yeah, I, I love this piece of music. It's it's gorgeous. It'd be cool to because this is sort of probably relatively unknown. It'd be fun oh, yeah. to hear remixes or uh, I don't know. I, I feel like I hope there, there are some creative there. ways. If they're to... not, there needs there needs to be a project to redo. Um, you know, remake the Galactic Pinball score. So good. All right. Well, let's move on to really the catalyst, the inspiration for this episode. Originally going to be its own spotlight. Uh, and then we decided, you know what, we can just have a, he- a hefty amount of this and still call it Virtual Boy. This is Bound High, which is so, so fun. This was composed by Takaki Oka. And Will, there's something that you might not know. Because this game was shelved, and um, I imagine the people that worked on it were quite disappointed, they would actually go on to use a lot of the elements in this game for a follow-up for the Game Boy in 1997 called Chalvo 55 featuring the same soundtrack so if you look up if you look up chalvo 55 you can hear a game boy version of this music i gotta say it sounds worse and so so the bound high is definitely the definitive version of it um which which makes sense you know they had to condense it to fewer channels but in any case we have a lot of bound high music today to me what i love about bound high it really reminds me of the early first party sega genesis titles Mm-hmm. Um, it ma- it makes me think of things like I don't know Jewel Master or um, I don't know things kind of like in that sort of more plucky optimistic Sega Genesis. Sound. It has a Super Fantasy Zone sound to yeah, me as well. Yeah, Super Fantasy Zone. That's the one I think. Well, I we thinking. have let's see, we have one, two, three, four, five, six total Bound High tracks today. Let's start off. Uh, we're not doing them all in a row. We're going to do three of them to start off. Um, this is the title, which is just so much fun. Let's take a listen. guys are listening to the title from bound high which would have been a great game for the virtual boy this is composed by takaki oka eventually this soundtrack and some of the elements were used in chalvo 55 for the game boy um yeah so guys if you're expecting like a very balanced assortment of almost all of the games released for the virtual boy that's not what we're doing today and again it's because a lot of the music on the Virtual Boy was not very good, in my opinion. So we're just focusing on the good stuff today. And so a lot of stuff from uh, titles such as Bound High, Galactic Pinball. But yeah, this this is just so much fun. It really makes me smile. 
All of the music on Bound High has this really infectious character, um, and I, to me, it, it sums up so much of what I love about old school video game music, which is that it's incredibly accessible, very melodically focused and well-crafted, but there's also this inevitable quality where... I guess it, th there's so many different types of music and principles about writing music, and I think a lot of people really value surprise in music and wanting to defy expectations. None of the music in Bound High, I feel like, does that, but it, it captures something that I think great video game music can often do, which is that it's really satisfying. Almost all of these pieces are built around some very simple melodic device taken through a sequence, but it's a very rich and emotional chord sequence that feels classic. So there's this sense of comfort when you listen to all these pieces that they're really catchy, they're very memorable, they stick in your head, mm -hmm. but they never really defy your expectations. They kind of go exactly where you want them to go. And, you know, sometimes yeah. you maybe want a little bit of uh, something unexpected, but I also so I don't know, this is one of my favorite types of music because it's all about craft. And I think this is a kind of piece that is really easy to dismiss, much like, you know, Muzak or elevator music or something that's like easy to listen to, that's not challenging or defying your expectations. It's easy to dismiss music like this because yeah. it's easy to listen to, but it's not necessarily easy to compose and so that's just something that's a good that point. i don't know I, I challenge you to think about as you listen to bound high to listen to like there's a lot of really subtle detail in terms of um a, a track like this is great because um, much like we talk about an nes track each pitch channel being in their lane this is a similar approach even though there's way more channels the kind mm -hmm. of if we were to think of the band quote unquote of this song the melody is in its lane the bass is in its lane and then you almost have this like latiny keyboard kind of you have the um, such a good chord part. material in in its place and they kind of are are very much staying in in their lane which is i i think something that it's interesting when you look at old video game music to kind of look at how were these tracks not just written melody and chords but how are they fully yeah. arranged and realized well what's really fun is now we're moving on to the intro which is a great change of pace it's a little more stripped down and i guess sad uh compared to the title um yeah, just a sweetness that Oka is able to bring to the soundtrack in an innocence. Let's take a listen to the intro from Bound High. piece of music there very quirky uh the lack of bass um is a very interesting choice and i do think it was a choice because could have easily added bass i don't even think this is using all of the channels here um but that that sense of space and that kind of desolation i think adds to the emotional effect of of this piece it's it's quite sad uh and emotional this is the intro uh from bound high again composed by takaki 
Oka, and I, I need to keep looking into that composer. I forget I forget to do that. All I know is that this was reused, obviously, in that follow-up on the Game Boy, but I really don't know what else this composer did. Really, really a great composer with a, a fairly unique style. I've always wondered if they were related to Soyo Oka, um, oh. because they have almost like a similar... I could describe the music similarly, that it's like yeah. these really beautiful, timeless, and inevitable chord progressions. Well, very sweet, It does very remind me of Soyo Oka music in that it feels classic Nintendo, and it embodies the spirit of that company and of a lot of those titles, but it does still feel very unique and, and, and seems to have this particular composer's voice. Um, and... And that's what I love about it. Something that I like about this track is uh, for an intro, which I guess you could consider it probably like a a cinematic moment. Um, Something that I think is sort of a good lesson for anyone who wants to write for video games or movies or anything, um, or just a good lesson about musical arrangement in general, is that whenever you're creating a piece of music, you have so much... Um, there's so much at your disposal, even with very simple and primitive tools, you mm-hmm. at the very least have register. So how, you know, the highs and lows, what are the lowest notes you're going to have? What are the highest notes you're going to have? And you have dynamics, how loud and soft something's going to be. Pretty much almost all music contains those basic elements at, at yeah. some level of timbre and range and dynamic and everything and there's definitely a, a very and i've it's I, you notice it in games like oftentimes like very plaintive village themes won't have any kind of like i guess bass instrument i mean there's there's fundamentally a bass note because there's a progression bum yeah. bum 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 but it's in such a kind of if you were to think of the piano, it's sort of like that around middle C range where it's yeah. not in a kind of bass register. It's in like an alto or tenor There's register. There's definitely an emotion that you get from not having bass. Yeah, there's a sort of like lightness, story quality, things don't feel intense. And I think it mm-hmm. works for anything where there's text or story because yep. it doesn't imply sort of action or momentum. And so I think it's a great technique in games of this style when you kind of remove things from that register, also not having percussion. I think that's a yep. great pairing for when the player doesn't necessarily have kind of action-based control. Well, let's bring back the bass and the drums, shall we? Uh, to a really fun piece of music. This is World One. Um, and I got to say that this track sounds really good. It's one of the best-sounding virtual boy tunes. Really nice instrument choice. Uh, this is delightful. Let's take a listen to World One. That makes me smile. You guys are listening to World One from 
bound high and there was a, a part in this that was just straight up super fantasy zone like the end of that phrase dun 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 dun, dun. Uh, really reminded me of um, Super Fantasy Zone and the work of Naoki Kodaka. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I just think that this is so cute. The The sound of the chip we mentioned is quite similar to the Turbo Graphics, um, and so it's cool to hear Nintendo composers uh, in that sound because a lot of the Turbo Graphics music that you hear does not have uh, anything close to a Nintendo style. For the music and so it's actually a really cool pairing that feels oddly comfortable to me and familiar yeah it a lot of this reminds me of genesis music but that yeah. kind of like um not necessarily the like american gen like the rocking fm driving stuff more the kind of the you know, sonic stuff. the first party sega title music um and much like those other two tracks we played uh, this track is very inevitable. It sort of mm -hmm. puts its melody through these relatively expected paces of a very satisfying chord progression, but it's great. It's not... This one, I think, has a little bit more um, unexpected nature to the melody. Like, it's not as yeah. sequential as the title theme. Um, but I, I, it's like, there, there's such a feeling when you listen to Bound High, it just feels like one great track after another. Everything's of such a high quality. And uh, it it definitely has that feeling of nostalgia to it because you feel like you're in good hands. Um, at least I do. When I hear a piece of music that's like doing the types of gestures I love, you know, whether it, like in that last track, that sort of descending bass progression that we've heard time and time again but when you hear that executed in a really beautiful way or something like this progression that reminds me of something from like sonic the hedgehog you sort mm -hmm. of feel like you're in good hands because you get the sense that the composer is receptive to these sort of little emotional gestures and then yeah you, I, to me it makes me feel like oh i want to go along for the ride and hear where they're going to spin this melody where sometimes when music is overly limited or over complex, you're kind of like not sure how to feel because there's well, in general, that I think sense of I know why you love Bound High so much. I think Bound High is like a crash course in making simple, digestible, easy to listen to music. It's one of the best examples of that, at least for video games. It's so fun and sunshiny and it just feels so good listening to it. And Oka did a really good job. Yeah, and I think it's interesting because you compared it to Super Fantasy Zone, which I totally hear, but I think there's so much music that's really accessible or simple but is written at sort of an arm's length where it feels like whoever the writer is is sort of dumbing something down for the audience. And in my opinion, maybe it's just a personal taste, but I feel like I can usually tell that when someone's making something excessively simplified. Yeah, I mean, you want it to be honest. Yeah, you definitely this, want. You it, don't want sincere. the music to feel like it's like making fun of the listener. You want yeah. it to be along for the ride. Well, guys, let's move on to uh, a series, a game that's actually in the Bomberman series. This is Panic Bomber, and it was composed by Shinichi Sakamoto and Jun Chikuma. Let's take a listen to The Desert of Desolation World 3.
Wow, I was saying before about Galactic Pinball, this sounds phenomenal for the Virtual Boy. Really great production here, um, great instrument choices, the use of the panning, very shimmering and colorful, great music. This is the Desert of Desolation from Panic Bomber for the Virtual Boy, composed by Shinichi Sakamoto and Jun Chikuma. Um, yeah, it's really fun to hear Nintendo composers um, with the hardware that kind of is reminiscent of what you've heard. You know, it kind of feels like souped-up Game Boy, um, but they're kind of, you know, using it in different ways. The fact that they have now multiple different wave channels, uh, like they had that one instrument with that soft attack contrasted with that shimmering really hard bell arpeggio that was moving all around the stereo field it was just a really effective production uh and composition very driving yeah this this one really hit the spot for me yeah it was really cool man i i really do like the sound of the virtual boy it's kind of this nice too. middle ground it's like a more souped up Game Boy, because there's something about entire, it's definitely charming, isn't it? There's something about entirely chip-based music that always has this character where you sort of have to buy into it, but it encourages you to yeah. use your imagination, which I love, and it can also sort of blur the lines where it's like it sort of implies instruments when it wants to, and it's yeah. Sort the of one just thing I'll say is when it wants to, it's important when you're at least listening to Virtual Boy or even playing the games that you're thinking about it with Game Boy standards and through that lens, and if you come at it. From that perspective, you probably won't be as disappointed. But if you know, in 1995, <laughs> I mean, much like uh, the games themselves, if you're approaching you need to have it from Game the Boy Super standards. Nintendo standards, I could see it be very, very disappointing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I doubt that anyone is expecting like a console level experience from their um, handheld. But the Virtual Boy, but the thing is, it's, it's not, not a really handheld. A handheld. Yeah, that's that's one of the reasons why it failed too. It wasn't a handheld. Um, it, it didn't, uh, it needed like a table to, to rest on. So it, it wasn't like you could just have it, but it was a um, boy. It's, you know, game boy. <laughs> it's, it's a boy. It's a little game boy. No, it, another interesting thing about virtual boy, it was developed. It was the concept of Gunpei Yakoi who created the game boy and was also one of the yeah. minds behind Kid Icarus and Metroid. Um, so this was sort of the and last the game, thing yeah. that he worked on at, uh, Nintendo and sadly, um, they went their separate ways after the Virtual Boy, and then he yeah. went on to develop that. The Wonder Swan was <sighs> his Wonder Swan, Swan. His yeah, Wonder his... Swan song. Yeah. Um, let's move back to Galactic Pinball, which is so so good. This is might be my personal choice for track of the week. I love this track. It's so groovy. It's so classic Kenji Yamamoto. This is Moonman Fandango.
Oh my god, in love with this track. This is Moonman Fandango from Galactic Pinball, composed by the wonderful Kenji Yamamoto, also Masaru Tajima. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's so simple and minimal, but I could listen to that groove, like when the drums come in, do, 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 do. There's not a melody, I'm aware of that, but just with the shimmering arpeggios, the really locked in bass and drum groove, the interesting chords, I could listen to that for hours in a game and I would not get the least bit sick of it. It's just the best kind of groovy ambient music uh, that Kenji is so good at composing. It's oh my god i love this yeah but it's like it's such a different it's cool because it's <sighs> harmonically there's some things that you feel like oh maybe he would have done that in metroid but it's it's such a different idiom and style it's way jazzier it's so way much more, more syncopated fusion-y. and kind of funky i love the interaction of all these different elements it's very busy and fun and exciting to mm-hmm. listen to because you hear the interaction of all these different musical ideas and how they play together i love the syncopation and i love kind of like that line that oh, the beat is just the best. how it like it it changes chords on like an yeah i gotta beat. say that the really cool. setup for the main beat like the main vamp is so effective in the moment when that first hit me because i had never heard this track before actually yeah. before this past week um when that main you know everything is setting up and you're so just your imagination is firing and then when that beat comes in it hit me so hard it was one of the most like feel good musical moments i've heard in a long time it's just really oh my god that track did it for me that's my vote. I don't know. Should we should we keep going and decide as as we proceed? Yeah, let's do it. All right, let's play one more from uh, Galactic Pinball. We'll do another one later in the episode. But this is a really weird title, Galax Cull. One word, Galax Cull. Let's take a listen. This is so cool. You guys are listening to Galax Cull, weird title from Galactic Pinball by Kenji Yamamoto. Now, this one, out of any of the ones at least we're playing, I feel like could fit in the Metroid series. It's super gnarly, super weird, and kind of creepy at times, but again, has a cool groove. Uh, I feel like that's kind of something he would land on in Metroid Prime uh, as far as like having those really heavy backbeats. Uh, and that sense of like maybe even like hip hop beats, yeah, um, mixed with that vibey, creepy atmosphere. Yeah, it's it's cool. Man, that's such a good point, Carl. It, it's interesting to sort of look at his post Super Metroid, but pre Metroid Prime stuff as like almost being a, a turning point into kind of merging that. Like the Metroid music is very organic sounding. It, a lot of it feels like it's characterizing the life of this 
these different alien worlds and everything and this music is much more electronic and creepy and is sort of spacey in that way and i feel like metroid prime sort of merges the two in a way that's probably a a simplification but it is kind of interesting um that that you can sort of trace some of that maybe he got into slightly different musical influences when he was working on galactic pinball and i think Uh, i would be curious project that a composer was he listening to during this time because this is some gnarly music man yeah for sure oh it's so cool it's it's very adult yeah i love it this next one is gonna be so funny i uh (laughs) can't believe this seems like a joke this seems like an onion article but they're one of the one of the games that was was released for the virtual boy this was not canceled why was this not the ones canceled the video game of Waterworld. water world very infamous you know flop of a film on well a i'm flop glad console i'm glad it wasn't with red and black colors how can you have Waterworld <laughs> on a console that doesn't have the color blue it's pretty amazing. Well, I'm glad it wasn't canceled musically because we know this music from the Super Nintendo by the very handsome Dean Evans, the lady killer himself. Uh, and this is his music ported to the Virtual Boy. And it was a real treat. I think, you know, imagine strapping that atrocity on your face um, before your eyes start to, to get tired. You'd be treated to oh, this music. Oh, and remember, music. there was no head strap. There was just a little <laughs> stand that you had to awkwardly push your head into and they would did that they made this thing on each game where it like forced the game to stop after like 30 minutes because if you played for more than 30 minutes you'd have like eye problems yeah you have um, epilepsy but yeah for so life. this amazing snes dean evans music which is very vibey and atmospheric and groovy uh converted that on the virtual boy and i think it actually works surprisingly well let's take a listen to diving from Waterworld. You guys are listening to Diving, which I love this piece of music. Um, I thought this was pretty cool that they were able to convert this um, to the Virtual Boy, and it works you know, surprisingly well here. Composed by Dean Evans, um, if you haven't heard this piece or the score, definitely do yourself a favor and check out the original Super Nintendo version. It's phenomenal music. Um, 
for probably a bad game based on a really bad movie. But yeah, Dean Evans didn't really care when he was working on him. I and mean, his music is so good. I I kind of wish that he would have done more. Uh, I feel like he, I don't know if he's still working in the video game industry, but the stuff that he did was so good. He reminds me of like a chill Tim Fallon. Because there's good. this sort of yeah. like... On the nose, man. Very through composed, lots of different elements. Harmonically interesting, a bit wandering, but always oh, yeah. like really accessible and interesting. His stuff is just less intense high energy it's more just like yeah atmosphere kind of yeah i mean there's a david wiseian quality to a well piece I, like this. I have a i have a feeling that yeah he's like a mix of fallen and wise like i have a feeling that evan's approach and the way that he worked on music was probably very similar to fallen making it up as he went and probably doing four measures at a time and he didn't even know where the track was going to go when he started it and it's kind of this you know spontaneous thing the difference being that evans's instincts were to, to be very chilled out and just keep things a very low chilled out energy where fallen's ideas were just like is a lot more zany and high energy. But yeah, I, I love Dean Evans and that is a great piece of music there. Um, yeah, I, I actually saw Waterworld in the theaters. I want to say I saw it with like dad and Marty maybe. Seriously? Um, I'm pretty sure we saw it in the theaters. Yeah. Isn't I, Jack I've, Black in that movie? Not that I remember. I just remember Kevin Costner. I know Kevin he has Costner. like one scene or something. I All I remember Kevin Costner pees into a thing. I remember at the start that of the movie and drinks um, it. I don't remember much else, but I'm pretty sure I've seen it. It's it's not good. Okay, let's move back to Bound High. Uh, this is an absolute classic piece of video game music. This will make you smile, folks. World Two, composed by Takaki Oka. <laughs> You guys are listening to World 2 from Bound High, composed by Takaki Oka. Um, yeah, <laughs> this is just a classic piece of video game music. Will was saying that it reminds him of DuckTales, and I definitely hear that. I do also hear, again, the Super Fantasy Zone, uh, Naoki Kodaka uh, influence. Nah, nah, maybe not influence, but it's very reminiscent of that. To me, this is like Sega meets Nintendo, because the A section feels sort of Sega-ish, and the B section is the most Nintendo thing yeah, ever. Yeah, I think that's true. I mean, it's it's one of the happiest, most positive pieces of video game music I've heard in a long time. Like, when you you brought this in. You brought two tracks, and I think the title and the this, title I believe. and this. Yeah. Uh, when this one played, it was just like, it's the great example of video game music where it feels so familiar. Like, oh yeah, this track. I grew up with this, didn't I? Yeah. No, you didn't grow up with it. You just grew up with a lot of things like it, and with you grew good, up with other good. A things. lot of yeah, a lot of <laughs> artists that were in a similar headspace and time to this and and so it reminds you of a lot of things that you love and well, that it's you like when you hear the, what i love is there's so much great there's so many great musical artists like nowadays that have so much love for music of the 70s and 80s 
Yeah. Um, and so the, so often you'll listen to a modern piece of music and it's like, oh, uh, this is classic. I've heard this before. And it's like, oh, no, this came out in 2019 and I've yep. never heard it before. It's yep. just like it's so it, it's such a love letter to this other stuff that I love. Um, I don't think Bound High is necessarily that because this this, you know, is like, what, 1995 or whatever. Uh-huh. Um, so it's it it was written back in the era that we like. But it's that sort of feeling of discovering something that feels like you should have known it your whole life and had it been attached to a more popular uh, I mean, game or title. I mean, there's really no excuse. Would why wouldn't... Will, why didn't we know this growing up? It was a canceled Virtual Boy game. We should have yeah. <laughs> we should have known this. Uh, let's play another track from Bound High. This is World 4, and I particularly love the use of the uh, a little bit of chromaticism in the notes and in some of the chords in this one. Really nice. Um, oh, before we move on, we have to mention that we decided you guys just listened to this week's track of the week. Going with that World 2 from Bound High. I adore that Moon Man track so much, but we're going to give it to World 2 there. All yeah, right, check let's... out the whole Galactic Pinball score, though. Do Any it. fans of Kenji Yamamoto. It's so good. I also love, with that score, I didn't mention this, picturing him, because I know he wrote a lot of the Super Nintendo music just kind of driving on his motorcycle, humming mm-hmm. the tunes. And so yeah. I like to picture him doing that for Galactic Pinball as well, because there's a nice... Yeah. They'd be good to drive to, I feel like. Absolutely. Let's check out World 4. God, you gotta love that last final chord of that very short loop. This is World 4 from Bound High, and I think we're doing a better service to this soundtrack by having a Virtual Boy episode and having the contrast. If we just played, you know, 10 pieces of Bound High music in a row, not only do you get spoiled, but you kind of get oversaturated in this style, and you're gonna not appreciate it as much. When you go back and forth between Galactic Pinball and Waterworld, and then this... It really makes you appreciate the style, and Oka is just, I mean, time and time again, he's just hes yeah. just nailing it. Well, Bound High knows what it is, and it's not trying to be any more <laughs> it's than Bound very, High. It's very comfortable it's very with Bound itself. High. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, I, I was thinking back to what you were saying, Carl. I mean, it is surprising that we never knew this game growing up, because the, <laughs> the only two consoles that... I remember playing growing up were the Virtual Boy and the FM 3DO. Towns Marty. Oh, sorry. I, th- I thought you meant the 3DO. Oh, no. The FM Towns Marty. That's <laughs> classic. I know that's Marty's favorite console. Well, guys, later on in the episode, um, we're going to have one more Bound High and one more um, Galactic track. But before we move on to that, let's play some more Jack Bros music. Great soundtrack. Um, yeah, let's take a listen to Grim Reaper's Cavern, which is level two from Jack Bros.
this is how you do 90s video game music. This is so happy. It's basically a ska track. Um, it's Grim Reaper's Cavern Level 2. You got those upbeat ska guitar chords. Um, it's a great production. Really happy piece of music. Slightly silly. I love it. This is from Jack Bros, composed by Hiroyuki Yanada. Sonically, this is maybe the best of the day. Uh, yeah. And they're using one of the wavetable channels. Uh, it sounds like a triangle, and it's doing a very low portamento, mm-hmm. and it's emulating a kick drum. Boom, yep. boom, boom, boom. That sort of punchy four on the floor sound. I mean, one thing I have to not say. not only helps the composition, but it makes the whole, like so much video game music, we, we call the bass line, but it's really like an octave or two higher than an actual electric bass part would be. Um, but when you, the, the way that the whole, you know, arrangement of this track works is like, it really feels like a kick drum. It really feels like all of these elements. And I imagine if you were to, I don't know, look at the like spectral analysis of all the frequencies in this track, you would kind of notice that it's pretty flat yeah. across the board, which one is thing, cool. Definitely not the case. One thing for I have to say music. is 1996, you do have to think about it. I mean, that was in some ways, maybe the peak of, of ska popularity, uh, you know, the mid to late nineties. And so that definitely was, was probably an influence for, uh, this score. I mean, it's, it's a very happy, uh, dancey style of music. And it's something that I'm actually surprised wasn't incorporated into more video game music of this time. I mean, if you think about this year, this was the year that, uh, the first big, real big fish album came out, Turn the Radio Off, which featured, uh, you know, Sellout and, and tracks like that. And so it was definitely in the ether. And, and I have to imagine that for someone like Yanata, it was, you know, it, it was something that, that he thought about. Well, it's interesting, though, because this also has like a it's a little bit like it's not as up tempo as I feel like a lot of Scott. And that mm-hmm. four on the floor thing makes it kind of like a little bit groovier. Yeah. Um, so it's like I, it's a really nice mix. It doesn't sound like a lot of other game music that I've heard. It's really kind of cute. And I catchy. love that track. Like it would be at, at home in like a Bomberman game. Well, this next track is really cool. It's a little bit more fusiony and kind of I guess uh, experimental. I love it. Let's take a listen to Temple of Nightmare, which is level three. God, this is good. You guys are listening to Temple of Nightmare. And yeah, I mean, definitely I can say this safe, safe to say this is the best sounding Virtual Boy soundtrack. I mean, getting a what feels like a full drum kit sound. Um, and, you know, the bass response was not something that was quite easy to manipulate on the Virtual Boy. Most of the scores sound very tinny and lack that that base and so they they did the best they could here with this uh temple of nightmare from jack bros yeah i love this track it's reminiscent of a lot of kind of fusion uh 90s video game music it's just kind of that wandering progression 
feels really good. Well, another thing that we have to consider, because um, you mentioned sort of the tinniness, I, I wonder if some of that was on purpose, because it, the wavetable would have been capable of producing, like, a uh, triangle wave or something more sine wave-esque that would sound a little bit richer I, and bassier. I have a feeling like they, they rolled it but off, I kind of think that... But I think part of the reason is they wanted something with a lot of overtones that would have presence in really crappy speakers with no bass resonance. And yeah. that's why like so much Game Boy stuff uses that like square bass that's yeah. really kind of cuts through um, in small speakers where like the NES, the triangle bass is kind of like if you have no bass, it, it does make the, the triangle bass instrument sound quieter because it's right. such a... There's not as much kind of overtone rich. Yeah, so that's one to thing it. to mention is that it w- the music was was designed to be heard on the actual built-in speakers, which would be really close to you. And so maybe they thought it'd be overpowering to have too much bass. But in any case, yeah, definitely check out all of Jack Bros. Great soundtrack. Um, not a lot of honorable mentions, uh, to be honest with you guys. I mean, I listened to every virtual boy score and a lot of them were kind of boring it took five minutes Um, it took five (laughs) minutes uh one of them that was pretty good that almost made the playlist was vertical force uh that had that had a couple of good stuff one of them that i really was just complete throwaway was mario clash um that was kind of like a 3d version of the original mario bros game um and that about wario land the first wario land yeah we have we it's coming up don't worry we're gonna get to that we're going to play a Wario Land track, but before we do that, we're going to play one more galactic pinball track. This is a nice change of pace for this for that score. This is called Alien. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Love the end of that loop just with that drum solo, right? This is Alien from Galactic Pinball, composed by either Yamamoto or Tajima. Kind of betting on Tajima just because it doesn't really sound like Yamamoto, but it definitely could be. It's it's very swanky. Um, it You know what, Will? You know what this reminds me of more than anything is Side Pocket GB. Oh, sure. It's really Man, fusion these jazzy. chords, these like really old school 1940s, really rich jazz chords. Like, oh, it's, it's so tasty. I love this. This is, I'm going to say it. This is my favorite track of the day. I like this better than anything from Bound High well, or the other Galactic Pinball. Well, let's just dethrone it then. I mean, we're, it's our podcast. We're in control. This is, this is my favorite. It's amazing. And I love that. I mean, it's the production, so cool. the chords, the groove, the sound, sonically, I'm telling you, it's dude, just outstanding. Galactic Pinball is 
is better than it has any right to be, and it is this in desperate is need it's of a remake project for the score. Um, it's just so so good. Um, I love that this was the pr- the next project that Kenji Yamamoto moved on to, um, because you know maybe the pressure was off and he was able to just make the music he wanted to make. Um, it probably wasn't a lot of fun to to work with this hardware. I mean, coming from the Super Nintendo and then going to this, I mean, it had to have been an uphill battle. But in any I mean, case, this I mean, the like music the, is outstanding. This sounds like Duke Ellington or something. Like, it's so elegant and rich and kind of there's this darkness Yeah, but to from the it, 90s. It's, oh, it's so tasty. <laughs> well, guys, we changed our mind. You just listened to, for real this time, this week's Track of the Week. Alien from Galactic Pinball. Oof, that is a killer piece. All right, let's play a track from Mario's Tennis. Very important game. Uh, The first Mario Tennis game happened to be released for the Virtual Boy, and it was exciting because um, a little bit more of a realistic tennis experience than was ever possible before. I mean, the, the camera was a little bit down closer to the action, and yeah, I guess I guess it was a little more immersive than what was what was possible before. In any case, uh, soundtrack is pretty fun, pretty cute. Uh, this is probably the best piece on it. I like this a lot. This is Singles 1, and this is composed by Hitoshi Fukushima and Morihito Iwamoto. You guys are listening to Singles One. This is from Mario's Tennis, composed by Fukushima and Iwamoto. And there's something a little bit charming about some of the titles on the Virtual Boy. It kind of felt like they're going back in time. I mean, it kind of feels to me uh, like a similar musical approach to some early NES titles, such as even like Balloon Fight, Clue Clue Land. It has that kind of really early, cute, plucky Nintendo sound. Yeah, I agree. Uh, it's really, it's interesting to think of this as like a Mario spinoff game yeah. because there's just, I, I don't think of as many of those on handheld consoles. I think of that as more of almost like something that really got more popular on the N64 with things like Mario Party and Mario Tennis and Mario Golf. And I know there's always been Mario spinoffs. This is actually the first Mario Tennis that, game. Dude, you know what holds up? The original Mario Tennis on the N64. Yeah, that's a that fun. That game is freaking fun. fun game. It's so fun. It really holds up. The animation is great. The sounds are great. The controls. It's one of my favorite tennis games, honestly. It's super fun. Yeah, I had oh, a lot of great. fun with that game. I also did have some fun with the GameCube 
Mario the Tennis GameCube game. one was good. What was that called? Mario Power Tennis? Tennis? Mario Power Tennis? Or was Mario that... Power Tennis, I can't yeah. keep track of all of them. Um, yeah, yeah. This this is a cool piece of music. Yeah, it, it doesn't really feel like... I mean, it wouldn't have made sense for them to, to carry the, the torch of this style in the Mario Tennis series. I mean... Uh, from 64 and onward, uh, the Mario Tennis series had had a very different sound in its music. I don't even remember like music while you're playing. I yeah, feel like there it's was. all like, it, interstitial stuff. Actually, Matoi Sakuraba did most of those games, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, really? Yeah. It's, it's, it works. It's pretty effective. Um, and do we all remember when Yasunori Mitsuda wrote Mario the Party music for Mario Party? <laughs> that was a good time. Can we talk about that? That's crazy still. Okay, guys, let's play a track from the Wario Land game. This is Virtual Boy Wario Land, composed by Kazumi Tataka. And the score is just... Oh, a, sh- it's It's just... Okay, uh, honestly, it's just okay. It's not great. Uh, this is the only track I would have ever really considered playing. I like this track. Um, most of it, I don't think it was uh, for lack of trying. I, I think it was um, uh, a choice to go for something annoying on purpose, maybe. You know, there's a lot of games well, it's that have kind that. Of, I imagine it lays the groundwork for the stuff of, what's that guy, Ryuji Yoshitomi or yeah. the, the yeah, other, it, it, the WarioWare kind of guy who's that like vibe kind of a mad sure. scientist. Yeah, it's in that vibe for sure. Let's take a listen to Level Theme 3 from Virtual Boy Wario Land. very dreamy this is level theme three from virtual boy wario land composed by kazumi tataka um and i'm not sure if this was considered a good game or not i i love the wario land series um i had an absolute blast with wario land 4 i think this is considered good it's one of the best looking games on the virtual it does look boy. good yeah um yeah, again, if you judge it from a Game Boy, the Game Boy standards, it's it's really it's really nice. Yeah, Wireland Four is a lot of fun. Absolutely adored Wireland Shake It, obviously for the Wii, as uh, one one of our favorite Wii games and, and soundtrack. I gotta say, I love this track because it's this great mixture. The melody has that sort of tritonic, devious quality mm-hmm. to it. Yet there's this like fairy fountain esque major seventh it's a cool arpeggio. Combo, Thing going in the background it's really pretty it definitely like no one can tell me that tataka didn't work on Link's awakening because <laughs> you listen to some of those arpeggios and it's like oh my god yeah i will say that the score is very serviceable um it probably fits the game quite well there's not a lot that i really felt like i needed to play from it this one this one was nice yeah i'm, I'm glad this one made the playlist um 
But yeah, I, I really wanted to play something from Mario Clash. Before I listened to it, I was like, oh yeah, I, I'm assuming we're going to play something from this. And then when I listened to it, I was like, actually, no, I, I don't I don't think we're going to. Uh, and that was actually well, by the composer you're you not just a mentioned. Fan- you're not oh really mm-hmm. you're not a fan of tataka's weird side which is not like so much. what that ryuji yoshitone that's like what i feel like they did like drugs and together that's why i didn't like clash or like dropped acid and wrote music because they're just <laughs> insane some yeah. of their like weird stuff is like very acquired taste but i really get a kick out of it. especially like i don't know something like mario paint is so quirky and fun well, and, like, like yoshi's well, story I mean, and all that that WarioWare composer who we were talking about who did Clash, he also did Wario Land 4, and I feel like that is maybe his best game because I actually love the music in Wario yeah, Land 4. Yeah, that music's great. Didn't he also, is he, now I'm probably mixing people up, but did he do Metroid 2 He did, as he well? did, yes. Yeah, okay. same person. Okay, guys, let's play one more uh, Bound High track, and it's the last of the day other than the playout. It's very short and sweet. It's the staff roll. How fitting from Bound High. fun way to end the episode that was absolutely delightful staff roll from bound high again composed by takaki oka well that was a lot of fun um sorry that this couldn't have been quite as maybe diverse of a playlist as some of you may have been expecting but again there weren't a lot of games for the virtual boy and everyone knows it was universally considered a failure so it shouldn't be surprising that some of the music was lackluster but we played the hidden gems i mean really that galactic pinball holy moly that needs to be celebrated that that is a piece of vgm history right there yeah and bound high and bound high, together yeah. and jack brothers jack too. Bros I mean, is great there's great stuff I-, I love today's playlist i really enjoyed every single piece of music to a high degree i want to talk a little bit about the staff role that it uses that sort of um, rhythm changes progression. Boom, yeah. Boom, 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 Because of that, it sounds like a Super Mario World theme. Like this is <laughs> sounds World like a one, map theme. You know, yeah. uh, you know. It also reminded me of that one uh, DS game. It was probably like that Xan X character, oh, or whatever. Yeah. Remember those? There's mm-hmm. one that I never played that, like. Pretty much that whole soundtrack is a ripoff of Mario. Like, yeah. there's some tracks that I never played that are legitimate, like, sound alikes yeah. of certain cues from Mario, but there's this one that always gets stuck in my head that's, like, very similar to this, and it goes, yum, bum, 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 It does sound Mario esque. It sounds like from New Super Mario Brothers or something. Yeah. Yeah, I like that sort of idiom, that very innocent. Um, kind of cute, optimistic, kind of American songbook sounding thing. Well, guys, we're going to play you out with one more track from Panic Bomber, again by Sakamoto and Chikuma. And this this one features that kind of classic Bomberman motif, you know, that we hear in, in a lot of Chikuma's music. So you'll enjoy that. Um, a nice way to play you out. It's called The Sinister Forest World 2.
Well, hopefully we did our part shining a light on the Virtual Boy. There's definitely some really cool stuff uh, that happened on the system, at least musically. And I think we got to be careful wise. not to use up all of our Nintendo topics before Nintendo month. That's true. I worry sometimes. Yeah. We got to save stuff up. We did Metroid Fusion. Now we're doing Virtual Boy. What is this? I think there is no lack of topics, luckily. Very um, true. Yes. Okay, guys. So enjoy Panic Bomber. This was a lot of fun. I have one exciting announcement. Um, I wanted to officially just announce that uh, I'm working on this really exciting project. Um, I'm collaborating with Carlos, um, and it's going to be... We've been working on it for a while, and I thought it'd be fun to announce it uh, on the podcast. It's it's a, a concept album, an imaginary racing game, and the album is going to be called Downforce. And we're really excited uh, about this. I've been working on it for a while. Carlos is providing some really uh, imaginative ideas and is going to be doing the art for it. So yeah, it's just been a lot of fun. A very exciting project for me being able to wear a lot of different hats and explore some different things that I I haven't before. Well, and musically, it's a little bit of a different departure from some of the... Mm -hmm. I mean, I think anyone who's a fan of your music will absolutely love this. But what I've been so amazed with is the caliber of production. Um, This is not a a chip album. It's not even like a chip fusion album. Mm -hmm. It's like all real stuff. You're playing drums and guitar on every one of these tracks. Bass. There's some incredible playing, trumpet, saxophones. Mm -hmm. Like This stuff is a love letter to uh, so many racing games. I mean, there's like some Mario Kart vibes in some of Definitely the tracks. Definitely some talking over some Yoshi, some Outrun. Some... Yeah. Well, and it also, a lot of it reminds me of that Metropolis Street Racer by Richard Jakes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that, that was a, probably that has continued to be one of the biggest influences for me is Richard Jakes' work on uh, Metropolis Street Racer. But yeah, and so hopefully it's going to cover a lot of different um inspirations from the world of racing well, games even like f-zero a little bit too not because it's rock but i feel like yeah. the way that there's um there's like a well, thematic there's, and there's one track will stage. that i haven't showed you yet that i have finished that was definitely inspired by big blue from f-zero oh, and so cool. yeah i'm really excited for you guys to hear this um album when it's done uh it, it's just i'm just really having a lot of fun and we'll mention too that it's it um it features even things like some real brass um some of my good friends have been collaborating virtually with me, featuring some sax, some uh, guitar solos from my friend Andrew, and even my beautiful wife, Joe plays trumpet on a few tracks. And so it's just been a lot of fun. Uh, and I'm excited to tell you guys more about it. I haven't been asked to contribute, but I'm uh, sure it's going to come along <laughs> soon. I'm, I'm waiting patiently by the phone. No, I'm just <laughs> Dude, I so love all the music that you've been doing for this. I think people are going to lose their minds. Uh, the, the music's really catchy and i feel like each track the production quality just goes up and up i really love how everything sounds well stay tuned everybody yeah you guys are gonna love it we're gonna play you out with this track from panic bomber that's it my name is carl brueggemann and i'm will brueggemann stay safe everybody peace out